BridgeBank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to those committed to leveraging innovation to make the world a better place. BridgeBank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. BridgeBank, be bold, venture wisely. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. From KQED. Heads up, this podcast contains explicit language. All throughout my life, even before becoming a journalist, I've kept the journal. I still have every single notebook, and there's over 60 of them. Hella chicken scratch on yellow legal pads, little windows into my mind state, and notes on what was going on around me. While working on this project, I look back at a few from 2006. An entry from July of that year reads... Hyphy, metros, purple Jordans, and bathing ape hoodies, bootleg movies, turf dancers, speakers in the grill of scrapers, cut the dreads off, return to fading, faded, dark liquor and shit. Bus fare is 110 and that 10 cent kills it. Rather do it that way than to put $3 a gallon in the tank. Unless you got candy paint and dubs on your thing, don't even come out to play. I mean, I mean, the word is geese, geeks, smirkish streets. Clean equals wet. Ojethers equals vet. Stay safe equals you bless. So many laid to rest. I done seen R.I.P. on every piece of clothing except a prom dress. Between these little scribbles were phone numbers and doodles. A bunch of crude self-portraits drawn in pen. And there's even a to-do list I wrote just before leaving Oakland for Howard University. Finish the Zeus DVD. Go to a baseball game. Get three fitted caps, two pair of jeans, five white tees, two new tees. I spent the fall of 2006 in Washington, D.C., adjusting to the weather and the social climate of the East Coast. I love the diversity within the black community on campus. There's nothing like attending an HBCU. Dudes with gold ones and locks pursuing their PhDs, women in business suits with Wall Street connections, and fly hairdos. Weed heads who didn't do anything but sit on the same bench, stoned every day. I was cool with them all, as well as the Cali Club crew, a few DC folks, and the poets. But I was still going through culture shock. I was hella far away from the Bay. At one party, I got laughed at for wearing glasses with no lenses. And in class, folks looked at me weird for rocking a hoodie with a picture of my deceased friend's face on it. I grew homesick, and I left school and took an extended Thanksgiving break back in the bay covered in hugs from the people i love i was happy to be home but toward the end of my trip i was walking out of my mom's house as i closed the gate looked down the street and saw police lights and yellow tape by the time i got to my cousin's house a five-minute drive if you catch every green light word had spread marcel campbell a friend who we called Sale, had been killed Considered a young OG, Sale was more mature than his age, both through his fashion, pea coats, and casual shoes, 
as well as through his temperament. Ever cool. A short brother with long locks, he'd share wisdom through jokes, shaking your hand while talking to you. Simultaneous conversation and affirmation. He was yet another young person gone too soon. I didn't get to attend Sales Memorial. I had to head back to school soon after we got the news of his passing. I left the streets of the East Bay, headed back to the East Coast for those final weeks of 2006. Looking out of the airplane window and scribbling in my journal, I wrote a poem using the idea of a bridge as a metaphor for the shaky grounds my community was standing on. Some would say never burn a bridge, but they never tell you to check on it. Make sure that it holds the wind, the rain, the heat and the snow. The moment I know this infrastructure isn't conducting the reason why it was constructed, the bolts loosen, the poles start to rust in weak links in the chain. The bridge ain't standing the same. Lord forbid this bridge fall back into the bay. I'm Pendarvis Harshaw, and this is Hyphy Kids Got Trauma. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of The Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. While taking classes at Howard, I saw that Washington, D.C., almost 3,000 miles away from Oakland, was a world removed from scraper bikes and hyphy trains. By stepping outside of my Bay Area bubble, I was exposed to broader issues impacting the world. And being in the nation's capital, I was also closer to the elected officials who are in the seat of power in this country. Not far from my dorm room, there was someone else from Oakland who was also thinking about the bigger issues impacting this generation with a special focus on the people from the East Bay. I am Congresswoman Barbara Lee, and I represent the 12th Congressional District. Representative Lee's district is in Alameda County, which includes the East Bay cities of Oakland, Berkeley, and more. She tells me that she appreciates what hip-hop artists have done for the region. It's a really cool culture in Oakland. And she sees how legislation has impacted the way of life for a generation of kids from the region she represents. It's really sad because this is the Bay Area and we shouldn't have policies that, that allow for gentrification, but that, that happened. When Congresswoman Lee entered office in April of 1998, Black folks accounted for nearly 40% of Oakland's population. The most recent census reports that Oakland's Black population is down to about 20%. Back at the turn of the millennium, when I was a teen living in the wake of the 9-11 attacks on the U.S., it was Representative Lee's vote 
the sole ballot cast against going to war in Afghanistan that introduced me to her work. Over the years I've watched as she's championed reproductive health and combated racism. She's fought for the rights of black folks here and abroad, and she's represented her region at every turn. While no person, especially a politician, is perfect, I've appreciated how she's been critical of systemic racism and imperialism. She's pushed for low-income housing, organized against air pollutants, and fought against the hyper-policing of black people. And even with all of these efforts over the years, Representative Lee realizes that all of these layers of issues created a world where it's damn near impossible for people to walk around unscathed. If I can understand the environment and the context of what was taking place during that time, in terms of the political environment that causes a lot of anxiety and a lot of, I don't want to say depression, but quite a bit of pessimism and uncertainty about where this country and where the world is going, just like now. Before even considering stats and numerical breakdowns of crime, poverty, and the like, we have to start with the mind state of folks at that time that we're talking about, 2006. These hyphy teenagers, myself included, we were stepping into the world with so much pessimism that it told the line of nihilism. We were told to go out there and make a living while the unemployment rate was soaring. It jumped from about 5% in the year 2006 to nearly 10% in the year 2010. No wonder after years of a downward trend, national crime reportedly had an uptick around that same period. To be clear, I'm not blaming the unemployed, not even the small-time criminals. Nah, I'm looking at the system that creates this environment. Congresswoman Barbara Lee says that this country's philosophy on violence has laid the foundation for my generation and many generations of Americans. A lot of us think that violence is how we should solve our problems. I've been very involved in trying to prevent wars and trying to hold these presidents accountable for starting wars. And what the impact has been, I think, especially on young people, maybe like violence, you know, the government uses violence. So what's the problem? <laughs> you know, when I say violence should not be an option, well, why does the government engage in violence? Why are there so many guns on the street? Why can't you do something about stopping this kind of violence? Stop the violence? Yeah, right. Look, despite the many anti-violence initiatives and peace movements I've seen, this country is entrenched in violence. I've gotten used to mass shootings happening on the regular. And videos of police killings circulate with the morning news. It's a common thing, unfortunately. I think the trauma and some of the political aspects of that time and now are very concerning to me. Man, I was concerned too. But most of my focus was on the issue of homicides and other blatant examples of violence. I hadn't stepped back and looked at the bigger picture of this nation. How violence is at its core. That's how we're governed. Prisons are violent and oppressive by nature. And that's only compounded when you consider the inadequate living conditions behind bars and the unjust system that lands folks there in the first place. Schools, through racist curriculum and social hierarchies, can be both emotionally and physically violent. Housing, from redlining to gentrification, violent. As a person who's faced a few evictions and stints of homelessness as a kid, I can tell you, there are few things more violent than losing your home. 
even our relationships with one another, especially those that are thought to be romantic. They have issues with violence being intertwined in everything from the way we communicate to the way we treat each other sexually. And if you look close enough, at the root of many of the issues I've mentioned are violent systems of capitalism and imperialism. Here's Congresswoman Lee again. To sort through all of this is is pretty difficult when you're just trying to survive and make ends meet and trying to make a life for yourself and your family. We're a generation who was constantly shown that violence is the answer. It's no wonder that we find it completely rational to choose malicious ways to solve our problems. It provides a release. And back then, in 2006, that was just part of the culture. At that time, our particular generation, we would stomp your hood in. We would fuck your car up and do all kind of crazy shit because we wanted to. That's Rich Ayala, a San Francisco-bred hip-hop artist who's been making music for over a decade. He can make hyphy blaps, political tracks, or use agile lyrics over funky horns and cool drum patterns. At the start of this podcast, I mentioned a piece of graffiti that I saw on a wall near an underpass on 27th Street in West Oakland that read, Hyphy Kids Got Trauma. Those words were inspired by a more recent song from Rich Ayala. The song's lyrics go a little something like this. Hyphy children got trauma and I put that on mama's. Hyphy children got trauma and I put that on mama's. It turned into a chant. The song in its entirety is about kids going to school and having to step over drug addicted adults who are laid out on the street. PTSD from the chopper got me shaking like maracas. Thought my partner went to college. Why I see him on the block again? Rich has never recorded the song. He's only done live performances of it. And evidently, it resonates with folks. It's kind of like very sad. And I crack my voice intentionally to kind of show pain. And that's like a thing I do in a lot of my other songs to like convey a very close, raw emotion, like emotionality. I'm kind of like, hi, children got trauma. And I kind of just like, I cry it out. And I would see that it would have, uh, people would have a reaction, like all throughout the crowd. Even with seeing how people reacted to it, Rich was completely blown away when he saw his words in graffiti written on a wall in West Oakland. It was news to me. As much as it was anybody else, I was just kind of, for a while, I was like, wow, like, what is this? Or why is, why is this happening? He knew why. People were feeling it. But the thing is, he didn't know how many people were feeling it. At the time, I saw a few posts on different social media platforms, photos taken of the words scrawled in different locations around town. The artist who painted the one I saw, a graffiti writer who goes by Nasty, told me that Rich's lyrics were the inspiration. And Nasty... He did a few tags, but he didn't do all of them. Others followed. And Rich saw it spread. It was funny because I, I looked up and I'm just like, what the hell is this? And then I went downtown and somebody else tagged it there. They were taking up whole walls. They were taking up like bus stops, like trash cans, all kind of shit. Four simple words that eloquently and succinctly speak to a wave of folks from West Oakland to East Palo Alto the north side of Vallejo to South San Francisco. Ask anyone who was in the Bay Area in 2006 and was into hip-hop, a fan of hyphy music or not. I bet you they'll have a story to tell. And many folks 
are just now finding the words to tell it. We're a generation now where a lot of us, we were able to, to look back now and like see traumas. And we're able to articulate traumas. Adults now, the kids who grew up in that era, might have metaphorically burnt some rubber while trying to gain traction on the road of life. But eventually, a lot of us got around that learning curve. I know I had to crash out a few times before I learned. It took years to process the idea that constantly smoking and drinking was my way of masking pain. And that we ain't listening mentality isn't always the way. I had to unlearn habits that were personally abusive in order to be in better community and relationship with others. Misogynistic ideas of what male-female interactions look like had to be processed. And I had to learn self-worth outside of a job or accomplishments, but just for simply being human. Shit, I had to dig deep to even appreciate my culture as a reputable part of this thing that we call hip-hop. If I didn't, I wouldn't have been able to make this podcast. And still, there's more work to do. Lots more. But I'll admit it. It's wild seeing the kids who used to dance on top of cars now running nonprofit organizations. Much respect to the folks who've been intentional about working through their traumas. Here's Rich again. There is a dope, you know, resurgence of like black therapy popping off in the Bay, you know, and like ask them, you know, I'm sure a lot of black therapists in the Bay, they'll tell you in a minute that hyphy shit was crazy. You don't need to be a licensed mental health professional to look back at that time period in this region and know that the kids of that era were heavily impacted by what was going on. And in response, we made art that helped us deal with it all. But come on, man, we're talking about black folks, brown folks, children of immigrants and working class folks in the United States. There's nothing new about making art to overcome hard times. Today in the town, the same issues exist. There's still community violence and economic disparities, problems with the police, schools, the media, and elected officials. As of right now, in Oakland this year, over 90 people have been killed. And if we were to step back and look at the bigger picture, we see that the issues we're facing are very much bred from capitalist exploitation, imperialism, and systemic racism that have been fueling this country. The same issues, just remixed for today's environment. And just like us, young folks today are finding ways to deal with it all while enjoying art, culture, and community. Just days before this podcast series dropped, I stopped by Oakland's Fremont High School. Inside of a studio in the school's media center, a handful of students were on stage as they were in conversation with filmmaker and hip-hop artist Boots Riley. This was for a video series produced by KDOL called The Town Talks. My ears perked up and I sat forward in my seat, listening to the second question of the evening come in from a young man wearing a bathing ape shirt, stylish ripped jeans, and some black Jordans. Hello, my name is John. Um, My question, what excites you about music? Boots Riley, wearing red jogger sweats and a green jacket, as his trademark pork chop sideburns poked out of his hat, responded, Mm. There's an energy. You know, I like music that makes you feel alive and, um, you know, makes you feel the contradictions of the world around you. Like there's something pressing against the way things are. There's nothing wrong with it, but I'm not necessarily a fan of music where it's just supposed to be in the background. At that point, my head nearly exploded. 
For the past year, I've been writing about the contradictions of art and society, as well as music that can be relegated to the background. Boots wasn't talking specifically about hyphy music, but when the question was turned around and Tijon was asked what he likes about music, the teenager with the fresh outfit mentioned the hyphy era. It gets everybody together. Like, everybody has an energy. It's like like the hyphy moment. Like, everybody, it was a whole movement. Everybody in the whole city just felt, you could just feel the vibe. It's like when you vibe to music, it's good. Like, you could tell, like, it's good, good energy and stuff. T-John was born on April 20th, 2006. A 420 I'll never forget. His dad is one of my best friends. We've known each other since the age of four. I was at the hospital to greet the family just after T-John was born. Now, nearly 18 years later, this young man was reminding me about the power of the music that came out when I was his age. My generation of Bay Area folks had so little, and we literally did the most. We took empty parking lots where grocery stores once fed our families and used the pavement to feed our need for entertainment. We took our trauma and put it on 22-inch rims and covered it with candy paint jobs. The hip-hop scene went years without getting national media attention. And when the cameras came, we didn't smile. Nope. We hit them with a thiz face and showed them a dance they'd never seen. The Bay Area created something significant out of nothing. And did so in the face of adversity. And we made it look fun. After hearing T. John's reflections, I walked away thinking about the actual hyphy kids, the babies, the young folks born in that era who are teenagers now. How can we assist them as they navigate today's climate? Beyond fighting for systemic changes and holding elected officials accountable, there's a few things that we can do. First, listen to the young folks, slap their music, read their poetry, appreciate their art. It'll do wonders and uplift in their spirits and it'll assist us older folks in understanding what they're going through. Secondly, give them space to vent. It's hard out here for all of us and room to process things, safe spaces are a necessity. Lastly, as adults, it's on us to work as hard as we can on ourselves so we don't pass down our trauma to the next generation. And if all else fails, when the world doesn't make a lick of sense, tell them it's all right to go dumb. Shit, we did too. This is Hyphy Kids Got Trauma, hosted by me, Pendarvis Harshaw. Produced by Maya Cueva. Edited by Chris Hambrick. Sound design and original music by Trackademics. With support from Eric Arnold, Cherie Bishop, Jen Sheehan, Holly Kernan, Victoria Malion, Marisol Medina Cadena, Gabe Maline, Jorge Olivares, Delincey Parham, Cesar Saldana, Sarah Cavedo, Katie Spranger, Nastia Vonovskaya, and Rice Stottenborough. This project was produced with support from PRX and is made possible in part by a grant from the John S. and James L. Knight Foundation. And this is part of KQED's That's My Word Project, a year-long exploration of Bay Area hip-hop history. Find more at bayareahiphop.com. RIP to Marcel Campbell and so many more. Until next time, peace. 
Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? Its history, its people, its unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out The Bay Curious Book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on The Bay Curious Podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get The Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find a link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio. It was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support.